This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton, and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. This is News Radio 1290, WNBF News. Partly sunny today, slight chance of snow showers this afternoon, high near 36. Mostly cloudy tonight, chance of snow showers, low around 26. Thursday will be sunny with a high near 37. Environmentalists in upstate New York are calling for a ban on natural gas extraction operations with a technique that would use carbon dioxide. An out-of-state entity recently sent information to thousands of Broome, Tioga, and Chemung County landowners about the possibility of gas extraction in the region. Southern Tier CO2 to Clean Energy Solutions wants to lease at least 100,000 acres of land in the Marcellus Shale region. The company may move forward with drilling pilot wells by next spring. Walter Hang of the Ithaca-based Toxics Targeting and a statewide campaign is being launched to urge Governor Kathy Hochul to take action to block what the company hopes to do. Hang said 6,500 letters have been mailed to Southern Tier property owners seeking mineral rights to clear the way for fracking using carbon dioxide. The company intends to take advantage of a loophole in a 2014 fracking ban announced by then-Governor Andrew Cuomo. That move only addressed a specific natural gas extraction technique called high-volume hydraulic fracturing. Hang is encouraging people to contact Governor Hoko to ask her to prohibit all forms of fracking, including those that don't use water. He said the lure of potentially billions of dollars in gas revenue means sooner or later they're going to try to frack with whatever they can to get through the little loophole. New York State's highest court has ordered the state to draw new congressional districts ahead of the 2024 elections. The decision from the New York Court of Appeals on Tuesday could give Democrats an advantage in what is expected to be a battleground for control of the U.S. House. The state's bipartisan redistricting commission will now be tasked with coming up with new districts, which will then go before the Democrat-controlled legislature for approval. Republicans won control of the House after flipping seats in New York in 2022. They sought to keep the map in place. Around 12.50 p.m. on Tuesday, New York State Police in Ithaca responded to a three-vehicle crash at West Danby Road near Piper Road in the town of Newfield. One person died. An investigation revealed that a Toyota Yaris and a Jeep Patriot were both traveling north on Danby Road. The operator of the Jeep Patriot was stopped for another vehicle that was in front of it making a turn when the uh, Jeep was rear-ended by the Toyota Yaris. The Toyota then went into oncoming traffic and was struck by a Cadillac. The passenger of the Toyota, 17-year-old Peyton Shaw Waverly, was pronounced deceased on scene. The operator of the Toyota, 18-year-old Dale Beeman of Spencer, was transported by helicopter to Robert Packer to be treated for serious injuries. The operator of the Jeep, 40-year-old Aristopher Bow of Waverly, and the operator of the Cadillac, 29-year-old Stephen Lucente of Spencer, were checked out and seen by EMS, but not transported, transported to local hospitals. Dozens of apartments are to be developed in buildings now owned by an Endicott church. 
The SEP Group of Binghamton is finalizing plans for an $11 million project at the old St. Ambrose School and its adjacent gymnasium. The site is at the corner of Broad Street and Garfield Avenue, just east of the church, which faces on Washington Avenue. Jeff Bernardo, executive director of the SEP Group, said the energy has agency rather has the property under contract for the proposed apartment complex. Bernardo said one for said 41 bedroom units are planned for the project. The apartments will be targeted to people who will be working at the nearby Huron campus. The planned complex would be larger than a project SEP had proposed in 2021 for a nearby site in Washington Avenue. Bernardo said that the project was scrapped after it became clear it wasn't viable. In addition to the planned apartments, the redevelopment envisioned for the St. Ambrose building would provide some commercial space. Bernardo said Delta Engineers of Endwell is now working on the proposed layout for the new project. He said he hopes construction could start by the middle of next year. Hundreds of children attended St. Ambrose School when it opened in 1934. The gymnasium facility was completed in 1963. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. Bob Joseph, this is Binghamton Now, Wednesday, December 13th, 2023. Good morning. Thank you for spending some time with us as we reach mid-December. Phone lines are open, 607-772-1290. What's on your mind? I'd like to hear from you today. Give me a sense of what you think is going on around here. Top story, a political bombshell. New York's highest court has ordered the state to redraw the congressional map. This according to the New York Times front page story delivering a ruling that offers Democrats a new weapon to wrest control of the House from Republicans in 2024. So we'll talk about that. Redistricting. Here we go again. Let's uh, check in with the WNBF hotlines. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your name and where are you calling from? Warren Bush, Sydney, New York. Hey, what's up? Hi. um, I'm calling Bob because... I'm a little concerned. I, I, I know you're talking about redistricting right now, but I was at a modified basketball game last night, okay? And a player, whether it was a good call, bad call, whatever, it's a modified basketball game. And, you know, the kid didn't like his the fifth foul on to him, which took him out of the game. And he was throwing a fit on the sideline. So no one said anything to him. And then finally, the principal went over and said something to him because I was sitting right behind the bed area where they were. And his parent came down, and the parent said to him, they said, I don't know what you're complaining 
to my son about, look at what Patrick uh, Mahomes did in the Kansas City game over a bad call. Now, th- that has been proven that it wasn't a bad call. But these professional athletes have to understand that they have effect on these younger kids. And if younger kids see them acting that way, and it's not open season on officials, you know what I mean? And if, you know, as parents and, you know, adults, if we can continue allowing this to happen, um, there's nobody going to want to be officials, and then there'd be no games at all. So in my opinion, you know, I think there needs to be uh, more respect, and, and the NFL should find not only Mahomes, Andy Reid, and the Kansas City Chiefs very heavily for the annex. That, and, and the TV actually showed him throwing his helmet at, you know, and then yelling at the officials. And, you know, he acted like a two-year-old on a temper tantrum. Yeah, he reminded but, me of someone else. So if if you want sports figures to behave better, what about political figures? People who are presidents and candidates, things like oh, that. Absolutely. Should they also absolutely. start behaving better? Absolutely. I believe they should. Yes, yes. I agree. I, I am in 100% absolutely. agreement. I want everybody who is over the age of 18 to start behaving better because... We all ultimately wind up serving as examples, not just for young people, but for other people, too. People of all ages take, take cues from the behavior they see exhibited by sports figures, political figures, even people who host talk shows. Oh, absolutely. To get respect, you have to show respect. That is 100% on the money, and I'm glad you started the program that way, so... Hopefully we can move forward being more respectful of people. And, you know, like I say, uh, you know, it, it's something that I, I felt that I needed to tell, you know, call today and talk so that, that, that people, you know, in, you know, in your listening area, et cetera, uh, you know, they think about what, the, you know, think about it before the next time you go to a game. And, and, you know, you go yelling and screaming. But, you know, what's sad part is most of the time those people that were yelling and screaming, they wouldn't have the guts to be out there do, being an official. Well, that's true. That's true. Most people wouldn't. And most people are content, though, to um, be wild and nasty in the stands or online. But... You know, when when it comes to actually getting involved in a a challenging situation, most of them would never seriously consider it. So I think people, um, yeah, people ought to do try to do better. I be honest with you, I I just have limited knowledge of what uh, Mr. Mahomes did because I I. Guess I wasn't watching anything over the weekend. I mean, I, I saw I saw the news coverage. I see that he has a since apologized. No, I I haven't I haven't seen it. And I to be honest with you, based on based on the descriptions, I really don't want to see it. Maybe maybe at some point today I'll punch it up. His receiver clearly lined over the ball. Yeah. 
and never asked the official, they've proven that, never asked the official for help because he wasn't even looking at the official. He was looking down at the ball. And as a professional, I don't know how you could be that far over the ball. Well, Kansas City threw a touchdown pass on the play, and the official did his job and called the offsides against them. And then, you know, Kansas City ran out of downs, and the Buffalo Bills won. And he went to the sideline, and, and, and he's yelling at the official, goes by the official, yelling and screaming, points his finger at the official, takes his helmet off in front of his players, throws it down, and, and, it, and starts throwing his hands. Oh, now I see from a story he was even using bad language. Absolutely, yeah. Oh, my gosh, that makes it worse. So I yeah, thought he was just yelling and screaming, but it looks like he used really bad language. It says uh, oh, a TV camera caught him yelling bad words at least twice. Yes. And how the can you know, why why the 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 CBS, you know, kept the camera on him. They but they but they didn't put that language on the air though. No, no, they okay. didn't but but they showed his actions. You yeah, can, no. if you if you could if you can lip read, you you know what he was saying. Right. You know? Well, and hey, in defense of CBS, I mean they're covering the game, and you know sometimes I know people, whether it's football or other sports events, they uh, love to second guess the TV producers who are covering the show. After all, all these networks pay big money to cover the show, and the way I look at it. Anything that transpires uh, in that venue, and I mean, well, not literally everything, virtually everything that transpires in that venue from the time they go on the air till the time they go off the air ought to be considered for coverage. Now, heaven forbid somebody does something horrific. I mean, using bad language and throwing a temper tantrum is as deplorable as it might be. In throwing a helmet, but show it. Don't don't censor it. I mean, now censor the oh, language because okay. I don't I don't want that language on there. I don't need to hear that. But <laughs> as far as censoring <laughs> censoring the behavior, and I mean this censoring or not showing behavior of play, players, officials, owners, or fans in the venue, I'm against it. Again, unless it's something so heinous as to definitely not be fit for broadcast. But just because somebody is behaving badly, I don't think it should be incumbent on the producers of the TV broadcast to not show us. They glorified his actions. It's not a question of glorifying. It's covering it. Again, it, you know, to, if, if they, if the producer says, let's face it, I don't know how many cameras they're now using for a standard NFL game, but they've got dozens of cameras, dozens of microphones. They spend millions of dollars to cover these things. I say cover it all, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Okay. As far as glorification, that's in the eye of the beholder. Personally, with Patrick Mahomes behaving the way he did, I don't, I don't know how... Again, we we have a certain element in society, including those who live life perhaps on mainly on social media platforms, that somehow would glorify it and think that's great. But most of us, not just adults, but even most right-thinking young people, even if they're 
10 or 12 years old, no, that's not the type of behavior that you really want to emulate. I'm not saying some people won't because some people will. But and and I'm not, you know, hey, show the guy. I see he's only 28 years old, but it's still old enough to know better. And maybe he'll learn something from it. Here's, you know, it's easy now, a few days after the fact, to condemn his behavior and wave our figurative finger finger at Patrick Mahomes and say things like, bad, bad boy, bad. And it's like, yeah, that was bad behavior. So learn from it and try not to do it again. And the only way you do that is you hit him in the pocketbook. Well, so here, well, there, there's another good question, though. I don't know what he's getting paid right now. So what kind of... $38 million a year. So then what are they going to do? Find him to get him, get his attention. He's going to need at least a $4 million fine. But they're not going to do it. What What did they say the fine was? Roger Goodell, the, the NFL commissioner, hasn't said it yet. Oh, okay. Well, then the only way it might get his attention is if the fine is at least 10% of what he expected to be paid this year. But you know the NFL is going to come up with that. a paltry fine. It's, and, as and, I've and said before, you know, people, people who make a lot of money, and by the way, I'm not saying this because I'm jealous, people who make a lot of money can behave with impunity, whether it's on the highway or anything else, because they know when they get caught, even the biggest fine is not even going to register. I mean, they make that much money in interest probably in two hours. So that's why some people drive like maniacs on, on Route 17. Yeah. You know, because, and that's why, in my opinion, the U.S., Want to have traffic fines on a sliding scale based on how much you make. Some countries do that. So, say if I'm caught speeding and get a $200 fine and court charges, and then somebody else who's a billionaire gets caught speeding on the same stretch, going the same speed, except driving a 2024 Look at Me mobile, that person, instead of getting a $200 fine, needs to get a fine that would be comparable based on how much money that person has or or will be making this year. Because a $200 fine for a billionaire, why would he care? That's like a nickel tool. Not even. It's not even a penny. So, and again, this is nothing about jealousy. It's about justice. But anyway, as far as Patrick... I have to be honest with you. I never thought of that before. That's an idea. I never thought of it. Well, they do it in some other countries. But, you know, they're not going to do it here because the people who give the most money to politicians who could change the law are billionaires. And you can bet, and and some politicians also have managed to make themselves incredibly wealthy. If they weren't rich already before taking office, somehow they have managed to enrich themselves through public service. So why would they ever change the law like that? But it would be. It w- would be better justice, but it's only going to happen in our dreams. Well, thank you for taking my call, and I hope you know that that if there's solicitors out there, they you know at least maybe somebody will you know heed what I have to say. Yeah. No, I I appreciate your uh, starting the program off on um, 
I think an appropriate note. I'm surprised that this topic came up because we're not exactly sports radio, but this goes beyond sports. It goes beyond. I mean, it's 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 part of, I think, society and the need for civility. Yeah, this this goes. You could put this into a wide range. I mean, respect for police, respect for you know. I mean, there's just in this world we all need to have a little more respect and a little more dignity to each other. Thank you. I agree. I agree. I'm in 100% agreement. But also, I'm not condemning Patrick Mahomes. All I would request is in the future, going forward, that he try to do better. I think all of us have had moments where we... um, overreacted and then after the fact you think exactly why did that have to happen and it didn't have to so always try to do better I think that's good advice 925 I'm Bob Joseph you're listening to Binghamton Now from the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. Shop Toyota, Chevy, BMW, and pre owned at GaltAuto.com. Providing you with the best solutions of your lifetime. The KSO Insurance Weekly Spotlight with Karen Sweet O'Neill on News Radio 1290 WNBF. This live segment is sponsored by KSO Insurance Solutions. Good morning, Karen. Good morning, Bob. How are you? Great. How are things? Very good. Yes. We're now 12 days before Christmas, so I can do my Christmas countdown. There you go. And the first gift <laughs> to the North American viewing audience is I will not sing the 12 days of Christmas. There's oh, my gift you, to you. <laughs> that, that shows that I actually care about the home viewers. <laughs> you do. <laughs> you, you still want to have a job. <laughs> well, two things. One, <laughs> I want to have a job, but most importantly, I don't want to get put on his naughty list. If I sing... The 12 yeah. Days of Christmas, I'm already teetering desperately. I'm on the brink of it could go either way. Right now, oh, no. it looks like, because overall, I've done a pretty good job this year of trying to behave. So it looks like I'll wind up on the nice list. But if I, all I have to do is sing one round of the 12 Days of Christmas, and I would get automatically put on the naughty list. And the problem is, even West Virginia doesn't have enough coal to uh, to give what I would deserve if I wind up on the naughty list. So I'm gonna gonna try to mind my P's and Q's. Good idea. So what uh, advice do you have for oh, us God. as we oh. look look toward the end of a fabulous year? Yeah, I'll tell you what. If you're thinking about retiring next year, or if in many cases if you're already retired, you might want to, uh, you know consider that you're not going to get a regular paycheck, right, Bob? I mean, if you're um, fortunate enough to have a pension, you'll get a pension. 
and perhaps you'll be taking Social Security, whether it's early or at your full retirement age, and maybe you'll be taking some distributions. However, that being the case, it's still not you're get, not like you're getting a paycheck from your employer. So it's a very important time to plan your retirement. You want to make sure that you know what your expenses are going to be or you have a good idea of what your expenses are going to be. Do you have a mortgage? Do you have a second home? What about how are you going to entertain yourself? Are you going to travel? You know, and that sort of thing. And most importantly, because it's one of the biggest expenses, is have you provided yourself or your spouse with um, health insurance, long-term care insurance, in the event that growing old gracefully may be in the cards for you, but let's face it, we're all growing older. Um, We can see that in the news. We have a lot of people that are now in their 90s, 80s and 90s, some people passing 100. And guess what happens, Bob? When you age, a lot of times you need a little bit of help along the way. So, you know, with activities of daily living. So, what you know, what are the costs associated with that? Well, the costs associated with it, if you have to hire, let's say, outside home care um, help to come in and help you in your home because you want to stay in your home and you have, you know, some resources in order to do that, then that's going to be an expense. What about assisted living? If you're you know, in a situation where you can still have your own place within a facility, um, but maybe get your meals there and get assistance when necessary, that's another cost. And what about if you have a skilled nursing facility in in your future? And that can be on a temporary basis because this happens a lot where, you know, you're elderly, you fall, you break your hip fracture your hip, I don't know if they call it break your hip, and then you go in for a hip replacement, and then you need to go into a rehab uh, facility, and a lot of those are skilled nursing facilities, and they're in nursing homes. So what about all those costs, home care, assisted living, nursing home? Well, they're pretty extraordinary. So roughly, home care services, depending on what kind of Um, assistance that you would need if it's a daily basis or maybe three or four times a week, you're looking anywhere between $2,000 and $5,000 a month, okay? If it's 24-7, it's going to be a lot more than that. Assisted living, you're looking at about $6,700 a month. Um, In nursing home, forget it. I mean, it's up to about $14,000 a month. So even a short stay might impact your resources. What do you do to prevent that from happening. Look into purchasing or qualifying for long-term care insurance. And that has the insurance company on the hook for the bills for the nursing home, assisted living, or home care. And what we quite often do um, is a hybrid product. And what is that? That's a life insurance contract, Bob. These are very popular. And there's a long-term care rider on it. And why are they so popular? One of the reasons is because long-term care insurance, straight long-term care insurance policies, the premiums are not guaranteed, so they can go up. And we have seen some pretty huge rate increases in the last three years. Not a good thing. With the life insurance concept, the premiums, and let's say you're 60 years old, you have a half a million in coverage in a life insurance product, 
costing you about $4,000 a year. That premium remains the same. It's guaranteed if you buy the right product. Cannot increase that premium. Also, the face amount or the death benefit, which is the half a million in coverage, doesn't decrease unless you utilize it for the cost of your care. Other reason why we like those hybrid products is because you're accessing your death benefit if you choose to do that because you want to pay for your home care services or nursing home or whatever the case may be. And if, let's say, in the event of a home care, you don't have to go through an agency because you're accessing your own money. So that's pretty brilliant because you don't have any handcuffs on you on what agency, what licenses, all of those things the uh, assistance needs to have in order for them to get paid by the insurance company. So it's never too late to look into it unless, I mean, obviously if you're in your 80s or 90s, the companies aren't going to give you long-term care. Oh, wouldn't that be funny if they did? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm telling you what. But if you're still employed, here, this is really important. If you're still employed and thinking about retiring next year or the year after, Look into your company's resources. See if they have, okay, long-term care insurance available to you. They will not have a hybrid product. I'll tell you that right now, which is the life and long-term care. However, with a long-term care group coverage through an employer, generally speaking, the premium rate increases very low and the premiums are low as well. So it's just a well-rounded approach to look into protecting what you've worked so hard for to provide you security, you know, in your golden years, Bob, okay? We are at 1708 Vestal Parkway East. And that's the old Howard's Florist right above Plato's Closet, Style Encore. You can reach us several ways for an appointment. You can simply give us a call at 607-772-4898, or you can Google us at KSO Insurance. All our contact information comes up including our website, or simply go to a phone book, and we have a big display ad under insurance in the yellow pages. Excellent. Most excellent. Thank you, Bob. Hope you have a great day. (laughs) I hope you do, too. Sun's shining. It's a little chilly, but guess what? The sun's shining, so we'll take it. Beautiful blue skies. You got it. Love it. Take care. You, too. The previous segment was sponsored by KSO Insurance Solutions. It's 9.37. This is Bob Joseph. You're listening to News Radio, WNBF, 92.1 FM, 12.90 AM, streaming at WNBF.com. WNBF, 
your quiet island, celebrating the sounds of the season. Oh, Gary from the west side, you're on the air. Good morning, Pop. Hey, I'd like to chime in about the Mahomes thing. If I, if I understand correctly, the, uh, the first gentleman I called, he was at a basketball game. Something happened where the kid didn't like the call. He got taken out of the game. He continued to argue from the bench. Nobody said anything. Then the, uh, the school principal came down and said something, and then the... Uh, Parents came down and said, hey, why are you, you know, uh, talking to my son? Uh, look at what Mahomes did. Did I have that generally correct? Or? Possibly. I don't know. Okay. I, I, I wasn't taking notes about what happened. All I know it was uh, so, sounded like a display of bad behavior, maybe on the part of the um, the student. Well, and then, yeah, you know, so- not, not a good example from his parents. Is what uh, I, what it, that's what I wanted. To well, and that's the thing. Well, there I mean, lies you know, the, the, the parents, lies the, the parents, Mahomes. indeed, and and that's that's actually a very important point. Yeah. Parents, parents need to be good examples, and they need to take their role as parents very seriously. You know, if you tell your child, "Look, not everything is going to go the way that you want it in life." And you're going to have to react to that, and you can either accept it and learn from it and move on, or you can argue with it and say, I'm right, I'm right, and cry about it all the time. That's not going to serve any purpose. So, yes, parents need to get involved in their children's lives. Put the phones down. Remember, you wanted these kids, so please show them the correct way to act. And I believe respect should be given to officials. It should be given to police stuff like that. Now, as far as Mahomes, I mean, I believe he was just caught up. It was, you know, let's not forget there's a lot riding on in the NFL, right? There's a lot riding there. And, you know, it was a big game. It was home field advantage, all of that stuff. And he doesn't usually overreact, but he usually gets the calls his way also. So, you know, this was the rare moment where you saw a star athlete you know, overreact that, and he shouldn't have. But, you know, that's just the way it was on that day. We need to respect our police officers, Bob. That's that's a very good point. You know? Well, every, and it goes both ways. Police officers need to respect those they're policing, too. I mean, I, 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 mean, I got to tell you, and, and look, I respect police officers very much, but I also, unfortunately, have seen some instances where police officers could be more respectful and ought to be. It, it should go both ways. You know, protect and serve. Yes, protect and serve. And also be respectful because respect goes in both directions. And, and sometimes, look, I do appreciate that sometimes we're all having a bad day. And we don't, before something happens, we don't know what happened to the other person in the past hour or past few hours. So we also do, would do well to, you know, try to cut people s- some slack. But I, I think in every situation, everyone ought to start showing more respect. 
And when when something doesn't start off right, work quickly, as I say, to de-escalate. Just because something doesn't go well in the first 15 seconds doesn't mean you can't take a breath and then be nice. Bob, you've done the ride-alongs, you know, and I'm sure that opened your eyes to a lot of things. Most of the people out there listening can't do a ride-along, but what they can do is they can go to YouTube and watch videos of police interaction with other people. Most of the time, what the problem is, is that the person does not respect the police, and but mainly because they know they're guilty, they don't want to go to jail, and that, so they... Well, and the other thing the is, as, as many officers have pointed out to me, or police chiefs, I've said, usually, by the time law enforcement arrives at the scene of something, something bad has already happened, and it could be one of the worst things that somebody has experienced or the group of people, whether it's one person or two individuals in a dispute or a group of people, and they're all most likely not at their best behavior. They're not behaving as though they're in front of their parents or in front of their children. They're, they're behaving under uh, stressful s- situations, and so the police find themselves, they wind up uh, inserting themselves in a situation first. Uh, Some people would say, say, if I see a couple of people in a dispute here on Court Street and I'm concerned for their safety, so I call the police, well, maybe those two people who are having their own personal dispute don't want the police involved. In fact, they probably would appreciate it if people would just leave them alone to resolve whatever their differences are on their own. But the police inevitably get called. And in some cases, what happens, and this happens sometimes with uh, domestic disturbances, police show up, try to calm down a situation, and both parties in a domestic dispute wind up turning their anger and the focus of their whatever on the police who responded as opposed to whoever they were arguing with to begin with. So it's... Happens all the time. You're exactly Mm -hmm. correct. Yeah. You know, Bob, and if they would just respect the police and do what's told, maybe they... And and the police, every time they go to these situations, we see the bad in people and over and over and over. That's their life. They have to respect professionally very difficult thing to do give them more respect Bob. well and and look what what a lot of people don't realize um a lot of people including some of our neighbors or maybe some of our friends who aren't as well off they're not living in conditions that are identical to what we have come to enjoy so uh, and that's one the other thing that i've seen from police ride-alongs is some of the uh, very, very sad living conditions um, that exist around here in every community. 100%. Yeah, and, 100%. And yeah. I have to say, if, if a lot of our listeners were forced to live in those conditions for a day or a week, their attitude would be bad, very bad. So it's, you know, if, if you're living in a situation that is going to make you feel hopeless or angry sometimes you don't know 
why you're angry or you don't know who you're angry at. And sometimes I think people take out their frustration on the, on the easiest or closest person. So sometimes I think when police show up at a situation trying to get things under control, people turn their anger inappropriately on an authority figure who had nothing to do with the problem. It was only there trying to help get things under control. It's 9.50. This is Bob Joseph on News Radio WNBF. Radio, done live without a script, no talking points. This is Bob Joseph, Binghamton Now on WNBF. Beverly in the town of Dickinson. Good morning. You're on the air. Good morning, Bob. Um, I just got my homeowner's insurance policy, and and um, I don't understand uh, how can your your uh, your insurance go ratings go into the one three nine zero five areas. Because that's where you live. You live, it's based on your mailing address. And even though you live in the town of Dickinson, the zip code is 13905, which is how the post office has assigned your address. Your address belongs to uh, Binghamton, right? When people send you mail, they don't write Beverly, town of Dickinson. They write to you Beverly, Binghamton, New York, 13905. Yeah, well, Bob, my uh, last year my my bill was was eight hundred dollars. Now it's over twelve hundred dollars. I don't understand that. Because the insurance company wants more money. Oh, Bob, I was so I was upset yesterday. I didn't know whether to call the insurance company and ask ask about it or anything, but. My youngest daughter used to work for an insurance company, and and she told I talked to her today, and she said, "Mom, she said that uh, that it goes accordingly to the to the area that right. you live in." And um, I said to her, "I said if I lived in one three nine zero one, I said would my insurance be lower?" She said, "Mom, I don't know." Yeah, I don't know either. I, that's a good question. If I were you, though, because you, you have questions, contact the insurance company. Try to speak directly with, with an agent who's familiar with this area, and the agent could help give you more information. I was just wondering, too, Bob, you know, uh, we have the Department of Transportation there down around here. We have the town hall. We got businesses and and things like that. Would that have an impact on things? Mm, 
Possibly, but probably not. I don't know for sure. Call your I insurance wish that company. Lady that was on the was on there. I wish she could. Yeah. Take questions. I yeah, mean, well, I sometime, really, really like her. Okay, well, sometime we might have her on to uh, answer some questions. In the meantime, call your insurance company, okay? And uh, another thing about... Oh, we're out of time. Got the news coming up. Sorry, honey. Okay. <laughs> news coming up next here on WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221 EJ Binghamton, a town square... Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF News. Partly sunny today, slight chance of snow showers this afternoon, high near 36. Mostly cloudy tonight, chance of snow showers, low around 26. Thursday will be sunny with a high near 37. Environmentalists in upstate New York are calling for a ban on natural gas extraction operations with a technique that would use carbon dioxide. An out-of-state entity recently sent information to thousands of Broome, Tioga, and Chemung County landowners about the possibility of gas extraction in the region. Southern Tier CO2 to Clean Energy Solutions wants to lease at least 100,000 acres of land in the Marcellus Shale region. The company may move forward with drilling pilot wells by next spring. Walter Hang of the Ithaca-based Toxics Targeting and a statewide campaign is being launched to urge Governor Kathy Hochul to take action to block what the company hopes to do. Hang said 6,500 letters have been mailed to Southern Tier property owners seeking mineral rights to clear the way for fracking using carbon dioxide. The company intends to take advantage of a loophole in a 2014 fracking ban announced by then-Governor Andrew Cuomo. That move only addressed a specific natural gas extraction technique called high-volume hydraulic fracturing. Hang is encouraging people to contact Governor Hoko to ask her to prohibit all forms of fracking, including those that don't use water. He said the lure of potentially billions of dollars in gas revenue means sooner or later they're going to try to frack with whatever they can to get through the little loophole. New York State's highest court has ordered the state to draw new congressional districts ahead of the 2024 elections. The decision from the New York Court of Appeals on Tuesday could give Democrats an advantage in what is expected to be a battleground for control of the U.S. House. The state's bipartisan redistricting commission will now be tasked with coming up with new districts, which will then go before the Democrat-controlled legislature for approval. Republicans won control of the House after flipping seats in New York in 2022. They sought to keep the map in place. Around 12.50 p.m. on Tuesday, New York State Police in Ithaca responded to a three-vehicle crash at West Danby Road near Piper Road in the town of Newfield. One person died. An investigation revealed that a Toyota Yaris and a Jeep Patriot were both traveling north on Danby Road. The operator of the Jeep Patriot was stopped for another vehicle that was in front of it making a turn when the uh, Jeep was rear-ended by the Toyota Yaris. The Toyota then went into oncoming traffic and was struck by a Cadillac. 
The passenger of the Toyota, 17-year-old Peyton Shaw of Waverly, was pronounced deceased on scene. The operator of the Toyota, 18-year-old Dale Beeman of Spencer, was transported by helicopter to Robert Packer to be treated for serious injuries. The operator of the Jeep, 40-year-old Aristopher Bow of Waverly, and the operator of the Cadillac, 29-year-old Stephen Lucente of Spencer, were checked out and seen by EMS, but not transported, transported to local hospitals. Dozens of apartments are to be developed in buildings now owned by an Endicott church. The SEP Group of Binghamton is finalizing plans for an $11 million project at the old St. Ambrose School and its adjacent gymnasium. The site is at the corner of Broad Street and Garfield Avenue, just east of the church, which faces on Washington Avenue. Jeb Bernardo, executive director of the SEP Group, said the energy has agency rather has the property under contract for the proposed apartment complex. Bernardo said what one said 41 bedroom units are planned for the project. The apartments will be targeted to people who will be working at the nearby Huron campus. The planned complex would be larger than a project SEP had proposed in 2021 for a nearby site in Washington Avenue. Bernardo said that the project was scrapped after it became clear it wasn't viable. In addition to the planned apartments, the redevelopment envisioned for the St. Ambrose building would provide some commercial space. Bernardo said Delta Engineers of Endwell is now working on the proposed layout for the new project. He said he hopes construction could start by the middle of next year. Hundreds of children attended St. Ambrose School when it opened in 1934. The gymnasium facility was completed in 1963. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. WNBF Binghamton now. And when you're out there without care, yeah, I was out of touch. But it wasn't because I didn't know enough. I just knew too much. Does that make me crazy? Does that make me crazy? Does that make me crazy? Coming up on this Wednesday morning, we'll be taking more of your phone calls about things going on around here and around the world. So stand by for that for more listener contributions. First, though, we're joined by New York Post reporter Vaughn Golden as we focus on a major court action. New York's highest court has tossed out the state's congressional map and ordered new ones to be drawn up ahead of the 2024 election. That's the lead with Vaughn Golden's article on the New York Post website, also in uh, print, the New York Post this morning. Good morning, Vaughn. Bob, great, great to be back on the... the... <laughs> 
Well, it is great to, to hear a, a voice of reason in uh, sometimes unreasonable times. It's great to uh, be able to chat with you again. I've been waiting for a significant story that would make it appropriate to, uh, to contact you, and I, I think this story definitely qualifies. Yeah, that's... that's, that's <laughs> So tell us a, a little bit of background. Uh, some of our listeners certainly are familiar with what's going on, but many listeners may not have been paying attention. Well, certainly what has uh, happened now in this 4-3 to three decision by the Court of Appeals, this means some uh, um, very big things will have to happen in the next several weeks. Sure. So it, it, I could write a book on this at this point. Uh, I'm sure that that book would maybe be read by a handful of people. Uh, but going back to uh, last year, uh, early in the process, there were constitutional amendments requiring the state independent redistricting commission. It's a evenly split bipartisan group of, of, of folks who were supposed to present a draft consensus maps to the legislature for approval with the idea they would be fairly drawn to uh, to uh, everybody's, uh, uh, you know, happy, uh, happy pleasure. Uh, what ultimately happened is that group deadlocked and fast forward a little bit, uh, and the state legislature drew their own map, which heavily favored Democrats. Uh, they they were almost as as clear of a gerrymander as as you could you could ask for. Uh, you know, if it walks like a duck, it quacks like a duck. It, it was a duck. And, and so Republicans sued over it on two grounds, one, that it was a gerrymander, and secondly, that it, it um, was a procedural constitutional violation and that the, uh, the legislature didn't follow the, the Constitution to a T. So ultimately, that went to a judge out in Steuben County, out in Bath, and the Republicans won that lawsuit, and ultimately that lawsuit made it all the way to the state's highest court, the Court of Appeals, and the Court of Appeals sided with them and ordered that lower court in Steuben County to redraw the maps ahead of last year's midterm election. So those maps are the ones that are currently in place now. Uh, and you saw a lot of swing districts uh, with the current maps. There are five districts of New York's 26 that are rated by Cook Political Report as swing districts, as uh, toss-ups, including uh, New York 19, uh, which is currently represented by Mark Molinaro uh, there in Binghamton. So last year, um, Democrats filed a, a, another lawsuit after that process had all, all taken place. And this other lawsuit sought to ask the Independent Redistricting Commission to force the Re Independent Redistricting Commission, actually, to go ahead and draw new maps for next year's cycle for 2024, arguing that the maps that are currently in place were just interim maps, that the Court of Appeals um, never specified how long those maps were to be in place. Um, and what's different about this, this process this time around in this lawsuit is the makeup of the Court of Appeals. That's the, the, the huge factor here. Uh, Janet DeFiori uh, was the previous chief judge of the Court of Appeals, and she stepped down last year. I believe it was last year, if not earlier this year. She stepped down. Yes, it was last year. She stepped down, and ultimately, the uh, and she wrote the opinion in last year's case that tossed out the map. The dissenter, the, the judge who wrote that dissenting opinion on that case, Judge Rowan Wilson, 
was was elevated to become the chief judge on the current panel that decided this case. And he wrote the opinion, ultimately ordering the IRC to draw a new map, and that will go to the legislature for approval ahead of next year's election. That's the, I could go on again, I could write a book, but that's the long short or the long, long. (laughs) Yeah. And as you mentioned, uh, here in New York 19, represented by Republican Mark Molinaro, uh, as he put out on Twitter, sorry, I can't bring myself to call it by its uh, new name. The, the platform formerly known as Twitter, as uh, Congressman Molinaro said, he, in his view, there's nothing fair about this. Dragging redistricting on for years will create more confusion and frustration for voters. Um, I would say at least that part is accurate, at least confusion among voters. I don't know how many voters might be frustrated, but confusion, I would say probably. Oh, it's not just the voters either. It's uh, it's, it's it's everybody. Everyone. Uh, I mean, including journalists. You know, I it from <laughs> hey from look from one month to the next or one year to the next. I have no no idea. None of us in New York State has a, a clear idea who will be representing whom when the dust all settles. Right. It's 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 a a lot of confusion. Uh, heck, I, I, I get reached out to by, by staff for lawmakers and say, hey, do you know what's going on? <laughs> but it's, uh, and, and what's, what's interesting with this is the change of maps um, apply and the uncertainty that that brings um, affects both Democrats and Republicans, too. Uh, you look at, at somebody like um, Josh Riley, perfect example in New York 19, uh, the Democrat who ran against Mark Molinaro last time and is running again. Uh, this year in New York 19, uh, for a while he was running, I believe it was in New York 22, because he's based up in Tompkins County, and he was running in, in a different district. So you have a situation where folks might not know what district they're running in, what district they're located in, and that throws that uncertainty ahead into, uh, into 24, 2024 once again. And just checking his, uh, his message via the uh, platform owned by our friend Elon Musk. Uh, Josh Riley tweeted, I'm the Democrat running to defeat Mark Molinaro in one of the most competitive seats in the country, NY19. We got 49.2% of the vote in 2022. And then in his uh, statement, which also is uh, tied to a link so people could donate to his uh, upcoming campaign, he says, let's finish the job in 2024. So he's apparently pretty enthusiastic about what's what's looming in just a few months. Right. And it, it, it throws some other other intricacies elsewhere into play, too. Uh, last year, we had a, a very competitive primary down in the city between Representative uh, Jerry Nadler and Carolyn Maloney, two very long-term Democratic lawmakers who've been in the House of Representatives, Representatives for decades. And last night, I believe it was a, a, a Spectrum News, the New York One reporter, who asked her if she would be interested in running again, if uh, if there was a district that she could uh, that was drawn in such a way that she could run in it. So yes, it creates primary problems too for uh, for, for Democrats if they get lumped into the same district. Um, but yeah, once again, we're we're in uncertainty ahead of 2024. And some people, at least journalists, will probably be looking forward to covering how things go 
over the next several weeks. I'm sure your reporting will be uh, something that we in Binghamton and across New York State will be keeping an eye on. And it's interesting, it just seems, even though you have left the Binghamton area after serving as uh, as a great reporter at WSKG and covering stories just like this, I mean, this this is the gift that just keeps on giving. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure many reporters would uh, would love this gift that keeps on giving. But I guess as a, a bit of a political nerd and and maybe a masochist, I uh, I, I love the topic. <laughs> well, you're you're well positioned to uh, cover wherever this goes next, and we'll look forward to your reporting both in the New York Post uh, in print for those of us of a certain age, and also. Uh, nypost.com. We appreciate the reporting you've been doing from the state capitol in Albany. Thank you much, Bob. It's great coming on. Hey, we'll have you back. In the meantime, enjoy the holidays and wish you a happy, healthy 2024. You and your listeners as well. Thanks much. Thank you. And that's Yvonne Golden covering what goes on in Albany and um, eh, New York State the Albany reporter for the New York Post. It's 1020. Bob Joseph live on your Wednesday morning. As they say, what next? Stay tuned. Our number is 607-772-1290. This is Binghamton Now. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. Reserve your new Toyota at Galt Toyota. First News WNBF with Bob Joseph. Enjoyed our chat with Vaughn Golden. Now with the New York Post, keeping a close watch on what goes on in Albany. Good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm sure we'll have some opportunities to speak with Vaughn early in the next year. Whether it's about redistricting or a few other things, the only thing I can say about Albany is it just never stops. That's a good thing. And uh, we'll look forward to additional conversations. Who knows? Who knows? Apparently John Campbell is listening. We remember John Campbell. We haven't had him on the program in a while to offer some of his insights into what transpires. He's now uh, reporting for WNYC and for the Gothamist covering all things New York State government. 
politics. So one of these days, we'll have my people contact John Campbell's people. Maybe we'll talk about New York State government, politics, and speedies. I think that's one thing. Even people who are no longer reporting in Binghamton, they still retain their fondness for speedies. Let's go back to the phones and take a call. Good morning, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Hey, good morning, Bob. It's uh, Dave from Vestal. How's it going? It's going extremely well. Good, good. Hey, late December back in 63, that puts you at about four or five ballpark right in there, Bob. Thereabouts, um, yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Hey, um... You know, this is you're the perfect guy for this question, Bob. Um, you know, I noticed I was watching Hunter Biden showing up for his deposition, and there was a female reporter walking along. Here's her question, Bob: How did you get into so much trouble? This is this is what I hear, and Bob, and I hear this a lot, and I don't want. I'm not trying to put reporters down, but. Along the way, I mean, especially, and I noticed that a lot of it, female reporters, and and when in sports too, big time, stupid question. But how did you hit that home run to win the game? And I see the look on the player's face, and they, like they want to say, well, you know, I saw the ball, I swung the bat, and it went out of the park. I mean. In your career, Bob, have you ever looked back and thought afterwards, you know? That was a stupid question I asked. Have you ever, have you ever, have you ever done that? Yes. You're honest. Good for you. Well, but I paused because it's yes, and I could spend some time explaining. I mean, when it comes to questions, in my opinion, this is a generalization, and it's, I guess, sometimes maybe. Maybe someone said, I don't know who originally said it. Um, bottom line, there, there is a theory in some quarters that there's no such thing as a stupid question. Uh, and sometimes people say, well, mm, yeah, there are only stupid answers. But I think every question potentially could be better phrased. Uh, it's the craft of journalism or the art of journalism is is difficult to explain for those who've never committed it. And uh, there are a lot of factors that go into uh, what people see, especially on live TV. I, I personally, personally, as a reporter, I don't like seeing things covered live, news conferences. Uh, I mean, I know they should be, but the problem... Uh, inevitably is for people not involved in the day-to-day give and take with whether you're talking about politicians, people who've been indicted, sports figures or whatever, uh, for those not in the business of reporting, they don't understand uh, all the logistics and the relationships and intrigue. There's so many things that go into what transpires. So I've said before, I like sausage, but I don't want to see how it's made. 
<laughs> you know, and, and, and I think, and, and I've had this happen too, even for local news conferences. Sometimes, you know, people will hear questions that are presented by reporters and sometimes even questions by me. And this back and forth sometimes, uh, sometimes comes across as rude or impolite or whatever. Sometimes lots of words can be applied and there is this, inevitably, there's a give and take involved with the people who are reporting versus usually it's one person, a newsmaker, Hunter Biden, or a politician or a sports figure. Um, and when people see the process, and I'm not saying it should be kept secret, but I think, I think people uh, who aren't have never been in the news business don't understand there's so many factors involved now i didn't see this exchange that you described with hunter biden i'm sure I'm sure it's already posted somewhere on on the internet in fact maybe i'll find it while we're speaking but it's tough when you know sometimes remember like going back to the 80s when ronald reagan was president and his his mo was always you know, yep, we're going to, we have to leave the White House. And so they ordered the pilot of Marine One to start the engines and make sure there's lots and lots of noise. So basically, the president could walk from the White House to the helicopter and feign that he didn't hear reporter que reporters' questions. So there were people like Sam Donaldson from ABC and Bill Plant from CBS who had big, booming voices, and they shouted questions at President Reagan. Something like this. Hold on, let me see if I can replicate. President Reagan, are you going to stop beating the First Lady? Or something <laughs> like that. I mean, something totally inane. But And people right. would say... Man, those questions are really, really stupid. But that was the only way, if anything, and, and a lot of times when President Reagan just simply didn't want to deal with the swirling maggotry of the White House press corps, he would just, you know, cup his ear, you know, feigning that he couldn't hear. When in fact, you could bet he heard what Sam Donaldson or Bill Plant was shouting. He just didn't want to answer. So anyway, you know, it's a long explanation of saying it's, all these things are difficult. One of the things I think people could ask better questions of Hunter Biden if we could just get him to sit down and do a one-on-one -on -one interview. But we know no, he's not likely to do that now, now that he's facing big trouble. I think he did a one-on-one -on -one interview with, what was it? Was it CBS? Was it 60 Minutes a couple of years ago when yep, he, he said mm -hmm. something to the effect that, and I'm paraphrasing, I did nothing wrong. I'm paraphrasing, but that's that was the upshot of the interview. And well, who who did the interview? Was it Scott Pelley? Yeah, yeah, and he it, but he admitted that he was trading on his father's name. I remember that interview. He said, "Yeah, well, cuz I'm a Biden." He admitted it. Yeah, I remember but, that. But again, getting back to what what transpired today as far as people asking so-called dumb questions of Hunter Biden, and what, what did you say she asked? Oh, she's walking along. He's on his way to the podium because he wanted to make a oh, okay. statement. Okay, hold, hold on. Let along. me. She was walking and along. And what she did goes, she how say? Did, how did, she, she goes, 
How did you get into so much trouble? That's that that's a good question. question. I don't actually. Well, you so think that, so? Yes, and <laughs> and because I like it because of its simplicity. And and here's the thing. I know you think clearly. You think that it's an, a wrong or inappropriate or maybe totally dumb question. I actually think it's beautiful in its simplicity. And I might have asked a question along those same lines because sometimes you have to cut. And I know sometimes when I ask questions, my questions turn out to be way too long as opposed to cutting right to the chase. Mr. Biden, why are you in so much trouble? And that, hey, that might elicit the best answer. Sometimes the shortest questions wind up uh, bringing forth the best response or at least the most honest response. And I, I let me just... Um, Plain, some, inevitably, some people have uh, punched up some of these things here because um, I didn't even realize that that he uh, he stood in front of the podium. I didn't have the uh, the monitor turned on. This is just uh, a little something that uh, was posted on Twitter by um, somebody who is a political commentator, and and it was grad from CNN. So let me just listen to a brief. A brief section here, if I can can find it, just so I have uh, a little little context. Hold on a second here. Life is so difficult when when you're on the air. I'm here today to make sure that the House Committee's illegitimate investigations of my family do not proceed on distortions, manipulated evidence, and lies. And I'm here today to acknowledge that I've made mistakes in my life and wasted opportunities and privileges I was afforded. For that, I'm responsible. For that, I'm accountable. And for that, I'm making amends. But I'm also here today to correct how the MAGA right has portrayed me for their political purposes. I am first and foremost a son, a father, a brother, and a husband from a loving and supportive family. I'm proud to have earned degrees from Georgetown University and Yale Law School. I'm proud of my legal career and business career. I'm proud of my time serving on a dozen different boards of directors. And I'm proud of my efforts to forge global business relationships. For six years, MAGA Republicans, including members of the House committees who are in a closed-door session right now, have impugned my character, invaded my privacy, attacked my wife, my children, my family, and my friends. They've ridiculed my struggle with addiction, they've belittled my recovery, and they have tried to dehumanize me all to embarrass and damage my father, who has do devoted his entire public life to service. For six years, I have been the target of the unrelenting Trump attack machine, shouting, where's Hunter? Well, here's my answer. I am here. All right. So I think he, you know, that's two minutes. I was not intending to play 
two full minutes of what Hunter Biden said a few minutes ago. And again, that clip was posted on the platform formerly known as Twitter, and it was grabbed off uh, CNN. So I I think that's a powerful statement. Okay, but back to reporters real quick. Oh, oh, and by the way, so after that statement, then I... I might have said something along the lines because he touted his his education. I said, or I would might say bluntly, and people would be appalled. It might be even cringeworthy, but I might be tempted to say, "So, Hunter, if you're so smart, how could you be so dumb?" <laughs> I mean, and and again, now that would come across as rude, disrespectful, and inappropriate, and yet I have to say. Probably some people who just heard the statement or people who were watching when he said it live earlier this hour, they might have been thinking the same thing. And who knows? And again, I'm not minimizing anything he's done, including things that rise to the level of criminality or immorality. I'm not minimizing that. But I wouldn't say or I I would think that Hunter Biden, even at at night, when he's sober, might think to himself, if I'm so smart, how could I have been so dumb? And that is a good question, yeah. Bob. And, it, and again, so it, it's not it's not meant to be mean, but say if I was there and had a chance to ask a question, that might have been the question I would have asked, and a lot of people would have said, you know, that Bob Joseph, here I thought, he respected people and he cared about people and he had empathy, but the question came across as being mean-spirited and nasty. Even some of the people, some of Hunter Biden's detractors might say, Bob, that was totally inappropriate. And in reality, if I were there this morning, I probably would not have said that because I wouldn't want to catch all the grief. But again, that's the type of simple and so-called dumb question that could have actually elicited a very powerful statement. And he might have said, and this is just conjecture, he might have responded and he said, Bob, first of all, I don't appreciate the, the, the uh, structure of your question or the tone in your voice, but I will tell you, sometimes I ask myself the same thing and sometimes I just feel terrible about some of the mistakes I've made and some of the poor choices I've made and sometimes repeatedly. And I know that I have at times embarrassed myself and sometimes I've embarrassed my family and friends. And I'm here to tell you and everybody else, you you smart aleck reporters who think you know it all with your dopey, dumb, insensitive questions, I'm here to tell you and my family and the people of America I'm going to try to do better. So then what, I, what I've learned from you, Bob, uh, reporting is a tough job, and, and there are uh, some that are quicker on their feet uh, than others, and, and there's a big difference between live reporting and doing questions off the cuff than there is preparing questions. Well, and, and that's the thing. I mean, my guess is the reporters who were covering Hunter Biden's appearance in D.C. today had spent plenty of time before this morning deciding what types of questions they might ask him if they had the opportunity. And maybe the reporter that you mentioned, maybe she had been planning and crafting that question 
for hours, maybe days, if she had the chance to throw the question at him. I don't know. But again, all of uh, these circumstances happen in real time. It's not scripted. It's real life. This, if there's a reality show, this is sort of a reality show. And it's and, and I'm not criticizing anyone. I'm not criticizing the reporter. I'm not criticizing Mr. Biden. I'm saying, hey, this is how it works. This is how it works. Sometimes we'll throw out a question. Maybe it's something that we had considered before, or maybe it's something that's spontaneous. Right. So, but, but I'm glad you brought it up because it's sort of, uh, it, it gives people a little bit of insight into sure. how journalism works, how it can mm-hmm. at times uh, be embarrassing because I don't, I don't like having back and forth exchanges with someone who is annoyed or perturbed at my line of questioning because, and, and by the way, sometimes people who are on the end, you know, on the receiving end of the question, they intentionally try to um, turn the attention on the reporter and make the story about the reporter who has the audacity to ask that kind of question. So it sort of sh- takes the spotlight off the fact that they won't address the issue. I've seen that before. It You're happens right. frequently. Oh, and yeah. it's, I've you know, the first time that I experienced it that was most memorable was with Mario Cuomo. So that was about four decades ago. I can't tell you the exact year, but it was in a situation where there was a news conference with lots of people who shouldn't even have been there because it was, it, well, there was an announcement. He wanted a story of the day. That's what, say, reporters want, the story du jour. And they don't want, so elected officials, including governors, they want reporters to ask only about their big announcement, about some, something that is so wonderful that makes them seem so glorious. And then if you have the nerve to take advantage of the opportunity to ask them a, a question, say about the state budget, or a state budget deficit or whatever was going on in the mid-80s with Governor Cuomo, Mario Cuomo. Um, and he, d- he was definitely unamused. He didn't like that question, and it was in a crowded room. And I was a very young reporter. It might have been the first time I'd ever asked a question of a governor. And uh, instead of just answering the question and, and addressing why the state was in such a, a fiscal mess, he tried to turn it around and somehow embarrassed me for asking him a relevant question. Yeah, it wasn't about the event that he was holding in Binghamton, but it was about something even more important to the people of New York, and he clearly didn't want to address the problem at hand. He thought, as a big governmental bully from Queens, they could try to somehow embarrass a reporter for asking a vital question. But and, and it, it, yep. it didn't make me happy because it was a room of people who I'm sure didn't particularly like reporters to begin with. And so it's like, I can't remember what he said, but it was something totally, in my opinion, inappropriate. He should have just answered the question and said, yeah, New York State is facing some incredible fiscal challenges and we're going to have to find ways to save money and probably also raise taxes and it's not going to be fun. Next question. But instead, he, he thought that, it you know, being Mr. Clever 
and a guy Hamlet on the Hudson who uh, never would get to be president of the United States. He got to be uh, a Mr. Big Guy, and it sort of helps to explain, now that I think about it, the way Andrew behaves. Still. It's genetic. It's 1045. This is Bob Joseph Live. WNBF. James in Binghamton. Good morning. You're on the air. Yeah, good morning, Bob. Uh, I'm going to sound a little, I've been a little under the weather, so I, I sound a little bit like Patrick Mahomes today, <laughs> um, which, you know, is funny to me. He is, I've always had this thing I like to call in, in, in media uh, op, people who have opposite voice. Like, he, he's got this baby face complexion, and he just is like the sweetest seeming guy. But then if you just heard him on the radio, you'd think it was some you know diner waitress named Gladys off their smoke break or something. It's it's pretty funny. Uh, uh, whereas Roger Neal looks exactly like he sounds. Uh, <laughs> ah, I like that. Kind of. I like yeah, that. opposite. Yeah, opposite. Yeah. Think of some people out there of opposite voice, where they're, um, where where who they what they look like is uh, nothing like what they sound like. Uh, but no, I wanted to respond, uh, discuss like the, the question about. The observation about quote-unquote dumb questions, uh, first of all, I don't know why Dave had to like make it uh, gender-specific there. I, True. I, I mean, the same, I, the know, same I, I question think, could have been lobbed I, by, yeah, uh, the, by a man. Yeah, uh, I, I, think, I think what he's talking about is if you most often will see, I mean, the place women most got into sports broadcasting first was on the sideline, and it's, they're the ones, sideline reporters, the ones tasked with like flagging down the, the, the coach um, on the way off the field to say, you know, what could you have done better today? Well, what do you think? We could have scored more points. You know what I mean? But, you know, the answer is content. You know, um, the answer is content, and it, you're just trying to get any answer. You're trying to get anything that you can put out there with your name on it, wh- wh- uh, whether it's uh, on a- a Twitter X or, or uh, your Facebook page or, you know, you got a byline in a newspaper article. Um, you know, I mean, asking Hunter Biden, like, how'd you get in so much trouble? That, that's, a, that's a pretty silly, open-ended question. I mean, if you wanted to be more cogent with it, you'd ask something like, you know, was there a point where you realized your handling of, of, of firearm ownership might be against certain laws? But he's not going to answer that because his lawyer is going to be like, don't answer that. You know, um, but really, it's just you have to get something. You have to get something fast. And sometimes silly, open-ended questions are like that. I, I just emailed you an example of one of my favorite ones ever. Um, uh, about a reporter who asked a, a player on a losing basketball team that was favored, like, how did Yale out-rebound you? And, I, and you, you can watch it. It's one of my favorite favorite uh, uh, press conference moments ever where he just dryly looks at him and says, well, when you put your hands up in the air and you grab the ball and bring it down, that's a rebound. And they did that more times than us. You know I mean? yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, jur- journalism is hard, and it's really hard to, to learn how to ask a question that isn't based on your perception of what the answer might be. You know, my favorite one is, and I fall into the trap all the time, um, you know, interviewing subjects for, for whatever, and it goes something like this. So tell me about your day. You know, like, well, what about my day? You know, and it's, uh, um, I remember another time uh, we were doing a, a Stop DWI uh, spot, and, and the producer literally thought they could bring in, like, officers and just tell them, like, unprompted, you know, tell me about the worst thing you've seen. You know, and like, oh, we'll get some sort of big emotional 
you know, thing that will really hit home why, why we shouldn't drink and drive. And then the first person steps forward and says, tell me about the worst thing you've seen. And they're like, well, I was a soldier in Iraq, so nothing I've done on the force is really close to that. You know, and they're like, oh, right. okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, good so, points. Yeah. Yeah, it's a tough, it's hard. It's it, hard, yeah. especially when your job is to fill content all day, every day. Well, and there's a lot of pressure from editors and news directors and so on for you to ask the question that prompts the most uh, memorable answer. I appreciate your call. Yep. Thank, Thank you, you, Bob. Stand 51, live and local. This is WNBF. Dylan on a really bad day. But how did Baylor get out-rebounded by Yale? You go up and grab the ball off the rim when it comes off, and then you grab it with two hands, and you come down with it, and that's considered a rebound. So they got more of those than we did. Insightful. Live. Local. WNBF. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF News. Partly sunny today, slight chance of snow showers this afternoon, high near 36. Mostly cloudy tonight, chance of snow showers, low around 26. Thursday will be sunny with a high near 37. Environmentalists in upstate New York are calling for a ban on natural gas extraction operations with a technique that would use carbon dioxide. An out-of-state entity recently sent information to thousands of Broome, Tioga, and Chemung County landowners about the possibility of gas extraction in the region. Southern Tier CO2 to Clean Energy Solutions wants to lease at least 100,000 acres of land in the Marcellus Shale region. The company may move forward with drilling pilot wells by next spring. Walter Hang of the Ithaca-based Toxics Targeting and a statewide campaign is being launched to urge Governor Kathy Hochul to take action to block what the company hopes to do. Hang said 6,500 letters have been mailed to Southern Tier property owners seeking mineral rights to clear the way for fracking using carbon dioxide. The company intends to take advantage of a loophole in a 2014 fracking ban announced by then-Governor Andrew Cuomo. That move only addressed a specific natural gas extraction technique called high-volume hydraulic fracturing. Hang is encouraging people to contact Governor Hoko to ask her to prohibit all forms of fracking, including those that don't use water. He said the lure of potentially billions of dollars in gas revenue means sooner or later they're going to try to frack with whatever they can to get through the little loophole. New York State's highest court has ordered the state to draw new congressional districts ahead of the 2024 elections. The decision from the New York Court of Appeals on Tuesday could give Democrats an advantage in what is expected to be a battleground for control of the U.S. House. The state's bipartisan redistricting commission will now be tasked with coming up with new districts, which will then go before the Democrat-controlled legislature for approval. Republicans won control of the House after flipping seats in New York in 2022. 
They sought to keep the map in place. Around 12.50 p.m. on Tuesday, New York State Police in Ithaca responded to a three-vehicle crash at West Danby Road near Piper Road in the town of Newfield. One person died. An investigation revealed that a Toyota Yaris and a Jeep Patriot were both traveling north on Danby Road. The operator of the Jeep Patriot was stopped for another vehicle that was in front of it making a turn when the uh, Jeep was rear-ended by the Toyota Yaris. The Toyota then went into oncoming traffic and was struck by a Cadillac. The passenger of the Toyota, 17-year-old Peyton Shaw Waverly, was pronounced deceased on scene. The operator of the Toyota, 18-year-old Dale Beeman of Spencer, was transported by helicopter to Robert Packer to be treated for serious injuries. The operator of the Jeep, 40-year-old Aristopher Bow of Waverly, and the operator of the Cadillac, 29-year-old Stephen Lucente of Spencer, were checked out and seen by EMS, but not transported, transported to local hospitals. Dozens of apartments are to be developed in buildings now owned by an Endicott church. The SEP Group of Binghamton is finalizing plans for an $11 million project at the old St. Ambrose School and its adjacent gymnasium. The site is at the corner of Broad Street and Garfield Avenue, just east of the church, which faces on Washington Avenue. Jeff Bernardo, executive director of the SEP Group, said the energy has agency rather has the property under contract for the proposed apartment complex. Bernardo said what one said 41 bedroom units are planned for the project. The apartments will be targeted to people who will be working at the nearby Huron campus. The planned complex would be larger than a project SEP had proposed in 2021 for a nearby site in Washington Avenue. Bernardo said that the project was scrapped after it became clear it wasn't viable. In addition to the planned apartments, the redevelopment envisioned for the St. Ambrose building would provide some commercial space. Bernardo said Delta Engineers of Endwell is now working on the proposed layout for the new project. He said he hopes construction could start by the middle of next year. Hundreds of children attended St. Ambrose School when it opened in 1934. The gymnasium facility was completed in 1963. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. I'm Bob Joseph. This is Binghamton Now, live and local on your Wednesday morning. Coming up in a few minutes, we'll be taking more of your phone calls. So if you have things to say, we would encourage you to uh, hold those thoughts and be sure to uh, call in later this hour right here at News Radio WNBF. A youth COVID-19 vaccine clinic is going to take place in Broome County on Friday. And joining us now to talk about it is Chelsea Riom Nedlick from the Broome County Health Department, public health educator. And it's good to have you back with us here on WNBF. Good morning. 
Good morning. Thanks for having me. Well, glad you can uh, share some of this uh, information about the event that is coming up on Friday afternoon. First, give us an overview of um, just where things stand with COVID-19. Obviously, things are dramatically different than what they were three or three and a half years ago. COVID-19 for many people is sort of in the rearview mirror, but it still represents uh, a public health issue. Give us sort of a snapshot of where things stand locally and, and also nationally. Sure. So even though things are not as dire as they were uh, three years ago or even two years ago, um, you know, we do still have COVID-19 circulating in our community. I think a lot of folks noticed that there was definitely an uptick this fall as we entered into the respiratory illness season. And, you know, we anticipate that COVID cases are going to increase as we go throughout the holiday season. Um, as people get together with their families and gather, uh, those are all opportunities for transmission of COVID-19 in addition to other respiratory illnesses like the cold and flu and RSV. So um, to get ahead of that, we are hosting this COVID-19 vaccine clinic for kids because we've noticed a lot of requests from parents and guardians that um, even though adult COVID vaccines are pretty easy to find in our community, they're not as easy to find for kids. So we're stepping in and offering that. And so this is taking place on Friday? Yep. So our clinic is going to be held this Friday, December 15th from noon to 4. We're going to hold it right here at Broome County Health Department. We're located at 225 Front Street in Binghamton. And the clinic is going to be for children ages 6 months through 18 years of age. And what kind of vaccine is being offered at this clinic? Mm-hmm. So we are offering Moderna COVID-19 vaccine for all of the kids who come through our door. All right. Is there confusion about types of vaccines? I, I know I've heard some advertising. There's some company that uh, I'll, I'll just say not one of the better known vaccine companies that lately has been doing some advertising, trying to get people to, I guess, ask questions that you have a choice for the type of COVID vaccine you receive. And I guess my question as, as someone without a whole lot of knowledge, for most people, does it make much of a difference whether you get Moderna or some other vaccine? Is Are they, relatively speaking, quite comparable? Yeah, most of the vaccines are pretty comparable. I'd say the biggest difference is the ages that they're licensed for. Uh, so Moderna and Pfizer are still the only COVID-19 vaccines available for children. So um, between those two, we're going with Moderna, but they work pretty much the same, um, you know, similar efficacy rate and how well they protect. Um, but, you know, any place you go, uh, you know, the doctor's office or a pharmacy, we'll probably just pick one and stick with it because it's easier for their operations only to have one product to, you know, keep track of. Do parents still express concerns about possible side effects of the vaccine? You know, we do hear some concerns from parents, but the good news is that COVID-19 vaccine has been around for, you know, about three years or two years now, I'm sorry. And, you know, over the course of that time, a lot of doses have been given. And so we've got to see 
you know, how common are side effects in a very large number of people? And the good news is when side effects have been detected, the CDC has been very quick to jump on it and make adjustments uh, to dosing schedules to um, kind of alleviate some of those side effects we were seeing. And COVID-19 vaccine remains the safest way to get protection from COVID-19 for people of all ages. Should people make an appointment for the uh, youth COVID-19 vaccine clinic on Friday? So we do prefer that folks make appointments for our clinic on Friday, just so we have an idea of how many people to expect. Um, But if we do have the inventory, we will accept walk-ins. But like I said, it's better to make an appointment and secure your spot. Uh, We're taking those by phone. If you're interested, you can give us a call at 607-778-2839. And I'll ask you to repeat that number in case people weren't ready for it. The number to make an appointment for the Youth Vaccine Clinic on Friday afternoon is? That number is 607-778-2839. Chelsea Riom nedlick of the Broome County Health Department, thank you very much for the information about this Friday's clinic. Hope you have um, a great day and uh, a happy and healthy holiday season. Thanks. Same to you, Bob. Thanks. Take care. 1116. We're live and local on Binghamton now. Today is Wednesday. We'll be taking more phone calls. If you have thoughts, why not call in 607-772-1290. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. We sell the ultimate driving machine at Galt BMW. News Radio 20 WNBF. Coming in fast. Coming in fast. Vic, who joins us this morning from Virginia. Good morning, Vic. Good morning, Bob. How are you today? I am well. How are things? I kind of knew you were well. You sounded pretty sick yesterday or the day before. It sounded like you had a cold or maybe COVID. Not COVID, that's for sure. But yeah, there was <laughs> okay. a. My throat was scratchy and. And even now, I've got a little congestion. I think I think my voice sounds better and stronger today than it did yesterday. A couple of times, I was at the um, end of a sentence, and I had one more thing I wanted to say, and then I thought, better to truncate this now to avoid coughing on the air because I, I don't want to treat people to that, especially if they're close to the radio. Right. So 
I'm down here in Williamsburg, uh, Virginia, looking at a home. Uh, I'm not going to buy it. I'm coming back to Pishinanko County. I wasn't satisfied with the house. But I am looking to move out of state. And mainly it's, uh, well, I don't know how to put it in words, so I just won't. I'll just tell you what I want to say on this fracking issue again. Seems to me like no matter what type of fracking they come up with, Walter Hang and his associates are going to be against it, no matter what type. Now, after listening to his speech, it's been, what, two days since he told, or yes, since yesterday, and I, I don't remember, since he spoke about it and uh, the carbon dioxide fracking. Um, I went online and I looked, and I, I don't have the website because uh, I'm not on a computer. I'm on my telephone. So I'm not going to, you don't have to listen to these uh, statements or or whatever, but I'm not lying. Um, yes, they have, they had, uh, one of the first things I wrote was that fracking can contain your water supply. The second thing I read, there had been no reports. The uh, reports that Walter is talking about where there's 69 incidents and things like that came from the DEC. So um, 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 Walter, it can be more described as a transcriber, whereas if you look at his website, he says he's, uh, or not his website, but the one website I was on, you know, Google Walter uh, Hang's name, it says he is an expert on um, contamination. I don't see any education on that fact. I'm sure he probably has some. But a while back, I had a four-foot-wide bumper uh, sticker on the back of my card. In 2010, I had it printed at Rapid Reproductions, and it said, your local news, half the truth all the time. I don't know if you, I don't remember if you saw that or not, but I had it for a while, way before Trump even did. And that's what Walter Hang, in my opinion, is. He's half the news all the time because he reports on problems that he takes out of the DEC's website, and he talks about those problems, but he never talks about the mitigations. And, Bob, I called your show up in 2017, I think it was, when I had a water well at my house fail because my neighbor put in a new well when he built his house, tapped into my water supply. I had to go deeper because my water supply went dry. But when he tapped in the, when he was pounding that well, my water turned brown, just like the Sotlier water turned brown. My water turned brown because thronium and barium and iron are natural ingredients found in this part of the country. Therefore, any, any, if you're putting in uh, pylons for a bridge anywhere in Binghamton, anywhere in Boone County, chances are the water wells in that area are going to turn brown because of the turbidity from the vibration in the ground. And that is the only thing they have ever brought to the table. Uh, if you go back and look at what happened in Pennsylvania with the, with the water contamination, they never even fracked. It was all turbidity in that six or nine mile radius that it was. Those walls were never fracked. It was all turbidity from the pounding of the drill. And, and from, um, I forget the name of the gas that came up, but it's shallow bed gas. It's uh, bio biogenetic gas that came up and created the turbidity because it came up so strong. But other than that, there have never been cases where, where, where fracking chemicals have gotten into a water supply, a water aquifer, and destroyed it. So, well, Okay. I mean, we'll see what happens in the end because this is New York State and money talks, no one walks. In the end, I still um, have my prediction that fracking will occur or at least something 
I don't know what it'll be called, some way to extract the natural gas in the Marcellus Shale, in the Utica Shale, some way is uh, going to be utilized and will be approved by New York State government officials because it's about the money. It's always about the money. In New York State, and it, whether, whether it's uh, cannabis legalization or anything else, or, or gambling, casinos, it's always about the money. And there are billions and billions of dollars to be made. And I think the point Walter Hang made, uh, and I'll paraphrase, but I, I believe he said it on the air, and I think he said it in, in the statement, the news release, something to the effect with uh, all this money at stake, eventually somebody is going to um, find a way that w- whether uh, takes advantage of an existing loophole or get regulations changed, they're going to get that gas. I can't tell you what year it'll be, but this nation not only probably needs that energy because the transition over to other types of energy, whether it's solar or wind or something yet to be developed, transition is not going to be that smooth. And most importantly, millions and billions of dollars are at stake. And that's that's the sad truth. Or if you're one of the people who's going to cash in, landowners and energy companies and investors, that's a happy truth. You know, there will be a payday at some point. The only question people need to ask themselves is when will the money start flowing in? It'll be next year, five years, 10 years. At some point, the gas will be extracted and a lot of people have the potential to get rich as far as what happens with the environment. Um, I'm sure the people who are going to get lots of money for leasing their property or energy executives will get lots of money because they're energy executives. I guess their their philosophy might be to heck with the environment. We're going to get money. We'll be rich. Bob, money is power. I know. That's the whole point. That's why we can talk all we want about about uh, ultimately banning fracking or whatever type of technology will be employed, whether it involves carbon dioxide or Coca-Cola, at some point, somebody will find a way to get it approved by Albany, whether it's Governor Hochul or Governor fill-in-the-blank, Republican or Democrat. doesn't have a whole lot to do with party affiliation. has a whole lot more to do with our love of the money. Well, New York needs to have faith in our science we, and we don't. When we're willing to... New York has no faith in anything right now. New Yorkers and people across the country, they've lost their faith in science, in journalists, in religion, in government. And I can point to one person mainly responsible for that who is, is basically trashed every traditional American institution. So now... Uh, the majority of Americans don't have much faith in anyone or anybody. Let's not go beating on Biden. But anyway, Bob, I hope you have a great day. All right. Like I say, don't worry. People are going to be able to cash in. I can't tell you when. There's money to be had. Billions and billions and billions at stake. So we know how New York works. Money talks. No one walks. And... I don't know what Kathy Hochul will do in response to 
this new effort to have her ban all forms of fracking. And we remember it, I think it was, what was it, nine years ago this month, almost, I think, nine years to the day, that Governor Andrew Cuomo sent out his environmental conservation commissioner and his health commissioner to make that painful announcement instead of having the courage to just make the announcement himself and say, I'm banning high-volume hydraulic fracturing. He made us endure a long, long, tedious and circuitous announcement, which was okay. He should have just started the thing off and said, you've been waiting for me to make this announcement, to announce my decision. I know I told Bob Joseph I would announce my decision before Election Day. I know that I lied about that because I here it is December, about a month and a half after the election. So I did not announce my fracking decision before election day until I was safely reelected. So here's my decision. This is it. I'm Andrew Cuomo. Good day. He didn't have the decency to do it. He didn't have the decency and integrity to announce his decision before the 2014 election. No surprise, even though I asked him, I I think it was in early 2014. Governor, are you going to make an announcement about the fracking decision before the election? Oh, yeah. Wow. Sure. Sure. And then not to announce it. But that's... That's exactly the way he was. He, he was the son of his father. So is there really any surprise that he couldn't be trusted? Governor, would you be willing to come on to our uh, Binghamton radio program at some point? Sure. Sure. Bob Joseph. Sure. WNBF. WNBF live and local. Let's look at the weather, shall we? Audience research shows that everybody loves the weather. They might not like politics or sports or food. Okay, everybody likes food. Bad example, but they always want more weather. Hence the runaway success of the National Weather Service, Weather Radio, WXL38. All weather, all the time. (laughs) 
Anyway, here's the best I can do. Appropriating some of the scripts from WXL38, Dave Nicosia's powerhouse station up on Mount Ettrick. Here's the forecast from the professionals. Partly sunny today, high 34. Mostly cloudy tonight with a slight chance of snow showers, low 25. Sunny tomorrow, high 36. And sunny Friday, high 50. I do believe it'll be a nice day. 50, that would be 10 Celsius for those of you metric lovers. You know who you are. Right now in downtown Binghamton, it's 35. That's 2 Celsius at News Radio WNBF. As this weather outlook, we are pleased to report isolated snow squalls this afternoon into the early evening may briefly reduce visibilities and cause slick roads. So if you're heading to Elmira, heading west, young man, and keep it under 120 for your safety and the safety of the other motorists. And the air quality this morning occurs to me we haven't mentioned the air quality. Some sort of cover-up? Smog gate? No, actually the weather quality or air quality is fine. Uh, it's good. Air quality index for Binghamton now is 31. That's <laughs> minus one Celsius. <laughs> Oh my gosh, we do have our fun. Here at News Radio, WNBF. If you like the news as much as I do, you'll probably want to spend some time checking out WNBF.com with some delicious stories, delicious and informative. We do have uh, details about a new project emerging in Endicott, complete with photos. Tuesday was a great day for the inquiring photographer. As we sent our photojournalist to Endicott to take pictures of the site where an $11 million apartment project, actually mixed-use development, apartments along with some commercial space. So if you want to see where... The apartment projects may be developed starting next year. Take a look at WNBF.com. I am pleased with the way those photos turned out. With the, uh, for the most part, brilliant blue sky. Little bit of clouds. Little bit. You know, some people say about the photos, so do you actually do anything to those photos to, to make them sometimes look better? Like some people do, and I say, no. You know, they, however, however the film develops, that's what you see. So anyway, WNBF.com, an $11 million apartment complex planned in Endicott, just off Washington Avenue. And of all things, using buildings that are currently owned by a church. I've been in those buildings. I am familiar with the site. So we have the details at WNBF.com. We have some other interesting local stories that we'll be reporting this afternoon and later this week about things going on around the Triple City. So if you like to kind of keep up with what's going on, I would encourage you to take a look 
WNBF.com. 607-772-1290 is our number. Hunter Biden, what do you think? That is the question. Hunter Biden, what do you think about Mr. Biden? That and other issues may be addressed between now and noon here on Binghamton Now. 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, streaming at WNBF.com. Kind of music you would want on your quiet island, I think. And sadly, we just received word, a flash, as in on the New York Post website, Patty Smith, the legendary rocker, reportedly has been forced to cancel a show after being hospitalized with some sort of unknown illness in Italy. So Patty Smith, they say, is in the hospital. I really don't know about this report. They base it on a local media outlet. It says um, Patty Smith was slated to take the stage at the oldest theater in um, Bologna, Italy before taking ill. And according to an Instagram post, the venue said, with great regret, we inform the kind audience that the Patti Smith concert scheduled for today, which was December 12th at 9 p.m., won't be able to go on stage due to a sudden illness that struck the artist. Uh, the New York Post reached out to Smith for comments. Of course, if Patti Smith is in the hospital, maybe she's not able to respond to the New York Post. And then they, they did put a link to this Italian website, TGCom24, but it's all Italian to me, sadly. Sadly, the day that the Italian lessons were being given at Union Endicott High School, I was probably in the principal's office, or, or maybe, I, actually, I think I was helping the... Um, the contractors, because that was in the middle of the renovation project. At one point, and I'll tell you one thing, never did actually take Italian in high school, but I did take French. And I say the reason why I never learned as much French 
as much of the French language as I wanted to learn. I blame the remodeling. There were renovations, and I think they were building an addition at the high school on East Main Street in Endicott. And I tell you, my recollection is my classroom for uh, my French class, and I enjoyed the teacher, don't get me wrong. Very much enjoyed the teacher, but I really couldn't learn much French because of all the cacophony. It's like, bam, bam, bam. Although it was much louder than that and much more annoying, believe it or not. So they're pounding and, and busting up walls because that's what you do when you're renovating or expanding or whatever it was they were doing that the voters approved in some sort of uh, capital projects line. But, you know, it wasn't conducive to, as administrators would say, uh, a quality learning experience. So, oh well. I still, I think I still remember the eight French words you can't say on the radio. I think, I think that's about the only thing I've managed to retain. Here, let me show you. <laughs> oh, you could say it. Get away with it because it's all in French. Your listeners are listening on their English radio, so no, I will not. We oui, we. Oui. <laughs> I know you're saying, but you can't say that on radio either. Yes, I can because that was in French. Twelve before the hour here at WNBF, and yes, I'm Bob Joseph, absolutely. The only thing that's on the station right now. Oh, good, a caller. Hi, caller. Are, are you there? <laughs> well, that's okay. Really, Actually, I didn't want to take a call. Um, more urgently, and I, I meant to mention this earlier, on uh, on the program, this this is actually sad. And I, one of my favorite TV actors ever, has died. So let's just listen to this uh, thirty eight, thirty two second report from Andrew Dimbert about one of my all time favorite. TV actors. Andre Brower is being remembered as one of the most versatile actors of his generation. Is there a reason you're interrupting me mid-soup? The star, best known for his role as the deadpan Captain Holt on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, died Monday after a short illness. The Chicago native attended Stanford and Juilliard before making his film debut in Glory alongside Denzel Washington. But it was in the 90s when he found his breakout role. Detective Frank Pembleton Homicide, Life on the Streets. Franz Raider is two hours dead and she's offering to testify against our his role winning him an Emmy. Andrew Dimbert, ABC News, New York. So here's the thing. First of all, Homicide Life on the Street, that NBC show, I thought was perhaps one of the best police shows ever on TV. I think it might have been a little bit better if they had been able to sell it to cable, so it could have been a little bit grittier. They could have had a little more... Uh, leeway with language, but um, you know, getting 
with Pembleton with a suspect in the box. Let me just play a little clip here. A lot of people have posted clips of uh, Frank Pembleton, the detective portrayed by Andre Brower. And what a great character, great writing, and magnificent acting. Let's just listen to this is a random clip of Frank Pembleton in the box. I remember this episode. This is there's so many quality episodes of Homicide Life on the Street. You do, you do what I do, right? Marilyn Callisto, Catherine, good, rich. Come on, Catherine, good, rich. I mean, this was an intense interrogation, or as police would say, an interview. I mean, it's just wild. And this doesn't do it justice being taken out of context, but... Close cover before striking. Close cover before striking. He hands her a cigarette, book of matches. Oh, he's striking the match. And then she strikes a match. My daddy told me never to play with matches. My mommy told me never to play with matches. Oh, that's it. He's gone too far. I, I have to stop this out. Don't. There's someone here to see an Annabella Wilkes. All right. Well, again, it doesn't do it justice if, if you know what I mean. You know what I mean about Frank Pambleton. And I've often just thought of of cases. Now that that show was set in Baltimore, or for those who believe in such things, Baltimore. And it's just amazing how it it was created by a guy who used to be a reporter for the Baltimore Sun. So homicide life on the street with some incredible actors. The casting was incredible. It dealt with real issues, policing issues and some horrific crimes and sort of the dark underbelly of a great American city that definitely had its problems with violence. Of course, yes, they dealt with murder cases, but they dealt with all sorts of other issues, too, involving the characters, involving the stuff that went on, the politics within the police department. I know people are saying, well, that never happens in real life. Um, <laughs> get to know some people in law enforcement. Yeah, it happens in real life, except sometimes times 10 or times 100. And I think, I think Homicide Life on the Street was on NBC for about eight seasons. I think every once in a while, they did a crossover show. I think they, I think they, uh, the guy that was in charge of Homicide Life on the Street every once in a while, and I don't know if they did it two or three times, they did 
collaborative shows with uh, Dick Wolf with his Law and Order. So sometimes you would get um, the characters from Baltimore going to New York City or vice versa. And so all those characters. Everybody, everybody on Homicide Life on the Street was great. And what about Detective Munch? Richard Belzer. I mean, the whole group. And the other thing, though, what I didn't realize is apparently that program is not streamed anywhere. So here we are talking about the loss of Andre Brower, who was one of the key stars for Homicide Life on the Street. And the people who never saw the show, in many cases, aren't going to going to have a chance to see it. You might see some clips online, but apparently it's not streaming right now. Apparently there's some sort of trouble. Of course there's trouble. I bet it has something to do with money. But anyway, we'll miss Andre Brower and of course some of the other cast members who have already been lost from Homicide Life on the Street. Good program. Good people. Hey, that's our program for today. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Bob Joseph. Hope you have a great afternoon. We will return tomorrow with another edition of Binghamton Now right here on News Radio, WNBF and WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221 EJ Binghamton, a town square media station.